the pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 174 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheen and with me this week, he's back. It's the return of the Mac. Mark Morrison <laughs> would sing it. Graham McDonald is with me, the Liam Kiley of Irish MMA media. How are you, Graham? I'm good, I'm good. I made a return there on Patreon, but uh, officially back on the, the regular pod today. How, how's your life been over the last uh, three or four months, however long you haven't been on the podcast? Have you, have you been doing anything <laughs> exciting? All good? Yeah, all good, all good. Three or four months. Exaggeration there, Sean. A little, little bit of an exaggeration, but sure. What would we be without hyperbole? Were you watching the Harlem match today? Well, what, 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 would you, what would you be without hyperbole? To speak for yourself, would yeah, you? That is I, true. Nah, I wasn't watching the Harlem, but uh, I'm, I, I think Harlem's a great game and all that, but I just never never was big into it. Were you watching Limerick play in the All-Ireland Final? Um, if they're losing badly, I'll tune in just so I can ridicule you. How dare you? Actually, as well, I, I haven't told you this, Graham, but I'm telling everyone now. There'll be no podcast in two weeks' time. So next one, next week, there's there's two weeks off of um, uh, with no events anyway. So we'll preview the, the event in three weeks' time or in two weeks' time next week because the online final will be the week after. And I will be on the beer for the whole weekend and probably in Dublin as well. So we won't, literally won't have time to do a podcast. But we'll get stuff out on Patreon. There'll be loads of stuff anyway. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA podcast. We're going to have a shield load of stuff. I have a few things planned over the next uh, week or two weeks as well. So it, it should be uh, it should be good there. So let's get into it because we don't have loads of time today. We need to get straight into these fights. And the first thing I need to get into, it is the big talking point coming from last night from UFC 227. It's this decision. Graham, I think people, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know my opinion already on, on Twitter because I went a bit insane and we'll get into it. But what did you think of it? Break down this fight for us scoring-wise. We'll, we'll get to the actual breakdown of the fight, what happened technically and everything later on. But scoring, how did you score it? I think the easiest fight, the easiest rounds to score the fight were the first and the third. I think they were both Demetrius Johnson. Mm-hmm. The second oh, is a close one. I probably, I probably go to Hudo on that one. Just nothing really happened, and um, except for the take there, and and Sudo did land a couple of shots, but it was extremely close. Then the fourth, I think, is is what people are bringing. It's coming down to. I thought the fourth was Johnson. I think, yeah. I think the fifth was probably just Sudo, but I, I, I think I had it either 48-47 Johnson or 49-46 Johnson. But I, you've been calling robbery. I can see them. I can see the second, third, or the second, fourth, and fifth being close enough that. It is. It is like reason. It is within reason to to give that scorecard. But I, I definitely don't agree with that. Uh, I don't. To be honest, I I think it's a terrible scorecard. I think this is is a robbery. And I think when you, I think when there's fights like this, when there's a fight should be scored a certain way. I think it's okay to call that a robbery. Now, and I'll explain why. Right. We got through it round by round. The first round, clearly Demetrius Johnson's round. The second round could have gone either way. I scored it for DJ, but I have no problem if someone wants to score it for Henry because the striking was relatively even and, and Henry got the late takedown. Did nothing with the takedown, but still, a takedown itself is effective grappling. That's that's a good transition, not wrong with that. After that, he didn't score much, but if you want to give him that with even enough striking, I thought DJ had won enough striking to win the round up until that point, but still, okay, fair enough, if you want to give him that, third round, all DJ, no question about that, um, the fourth round in, this this round is the is the round that should live in infamy, because this was a terribly, terribly scored round, all three judges gave this to Henry Cejudo, and it is completely and utterly wrong to score this round for Henry Cejudo, Demetrius Johnson dominated on the feet, 
they, uh, you look at the striking numbers, there wasn't too much in him, but all the good big strikes were landed by Dimitri Shots, and he landed the cleaner strikes, the more significant, and I hate the word significant, because in my de definition of word significant, he landed the better strikes, he was dominating that that fight on the, on the feet for 3 minutes and 20 seconds. For a minute and 40 seconds, Henry Cejudo took him down, which is good, scored a takedown, and did next to nothing on the ground when it was there. Literally ne about three or four shots maybe, meaningless basically shots on the ground. He, uh, Conor Rebush put up a great tweet. He he didn't transition, didn't move because he knew if he did that, Demetrius Johnson would have gotten up. So that's stalling for me. That's like standing on the feet, not throwing any shots. That that you know, that's like running away from someone and not you know, nothing being done. What, like how is he winning the fight there? No way. How is a minute a minute and twenty seconds of laying on top of someone worth more than three minutes? And are sorry, a minute and forty seconds. More more than three minutes and twenty seconds of someone beating someone else on the feet. How is that possible? That that's totally and utterly wrong. And it's not just. It, I think it's totally and utterly wrong. That's the rules of MMA. That's the unified rules of MMA. If you're not doing anything on the ground, it's not scoring. There's no effective grappling, no effective effective striking. Who won the effective striking and grappling in that round? Demetrius Johnson won the effective striking by a mile. Uh, uh, Henry Cejudo won the effective grappling but barely won it well he won it but he won it with one takedown and nothing else there was no passing you know no effective stri striking on the ground he did nothing after that takedown to think he won that round so that for me I can't explain it any better than that. That Demetrius Johnson clearly won that round. The fifth, I thought, was the clo was a close round. I gave it to Henry Cejudo f for the same reason. I thought he landed the more effective striking. I thought he strikes, especially in the last 30 seconds of the round, he kind of hurt him. I wouldn't say hurt him, but he hit Demetrius Johnson with a hard shot with about 10, 15 seconds to go, and he followed up with another one afterwards, and it was a relatively even round before that. I was kind of just putting Henry ahead a bit, but I think the last 10, 15, 30 seconds won that round for Henry Cejudo. So I gave him the fifth. I could see, as I said, could see him giving him the, the second as well, relatively close, but the other three rounds, Demetrius Johnson. I think this could have been, I think 5-0 Demetrius Johnson is a score you could give. I think 4-1 is the correct score, how you should give it. I think 3-2 um, Demetrius is grand. Anything else is is terrible. I, I really do think that. Mm, yeah, when it comes down to one round like that, uh, when it isn't it isn't a really clear round. Like I know, I definitely agree that, that Johnson should have got the decision, but uh, maybe it's because in the past we used to have way worse robberies like years ago than this. That I, I'm kind of reluctant to call it a robbery, but I think it was the wrong decision. But I don't think it was an it's outrageous to score the fourth round for for. Uh, I think it is. I think I think it's just bad bad judging. Like and I, I like I think. It's Do you think Rogan like in DC shouting their heads off every time might have affected judges or? It's hard uh, to know. Judges, I don't know whether it affect the judges. I think that. Well, if they see Joe, Joe Rogan like jumping up and standing, with Cormier said, "Oh, Rogan's out of his seat and all." If like he's going mad every time anything happens, maybe yeah. that affected it. Maybe he, he but. Uh, I, it was. I think it was a wrong decision, but I don't think it was outrageous. But I think, like, it looked so fucking bad for Hudo in the first round. It looked like his ankle was gone. I was like, oh, this is a disaster. This is his second fight at the champion. He's never going to get another shot. This is this is a disaster. But then he managed to just see that round through. He lost the round. I don't think anybody. I don't think any of the judges gave him the round. Yeah. Clearly lost the round. But in the second round, he came back strong and he got straight back into that fight. And he, them trips he was landing were absolutely beautiful. And I think Richard Johnson was a bit. He's a bit careless, especially uh, surprising for somebody as good as him. He was he wasn't breaking out of the clinch quick enough, even though he'd already been tripped a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Once Cejudo failed with the initial takedown, Demetrius Johnson should have been. I thought he should have been more urgent to get out of there. Yeah, 
like I, I think this is a classic case of the, the the unexpected challenger doing a lot of a lot better than people thought, and the champion not fighting as well as a lot pe- a lot of people thought he would. But uh, okay, that doesn't mean that the, cha- you know, the champion lost and the challenger won. It in fact it was the exact opposite. But it did to get into the fight and what actually happened in the fight. I thought yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a really good fight. I thought it was you know. I wouldn't call it a close fight necessarily, but Henry Cejudo, you know, he did a lot better than he did in the first fight. Obviously, he got stopped in what was it, the, the second round or whatever. Uh, look, for me, I, as you said there, to come out with that ankle injury in in the first round for that to happen, I I was thinking the same as you. I thought I was thinking this fight is over. It's you know, it, what, what can you do? But he kept his composure in the first fight. That was something he didn't really do. He didn't keep his composure. You know, he didn't keep going when he was hurt. When he got in close, you know, when he got the takedown and he couldn't really do anything with it, he kind of his head just went a little bit. And this time it was different. And went for a couple of takedowns, didn't get him, but you know, persevered, kept going after the injury, got got some nice little chips. Dimitri Johnson did unbelievably well to get out of all all but two of them in the whole fight. Uh, took the back as well beautifully at one stage in the second round, I believe it was. And you know, it was it was a it was a good back and forth on the ground when there was scrambles like that. Henry Cejudo definitely came out on top of most of them. Um, you know, when you know, if you're talking about dominance in the grappling area, Henry Henry Suda definitely came out uh, on top there. And <clears throat> look for Demetrius Johnson. He he didn't look himself. You know, his his strategy was the same strategy he always has: comes out, come out half fast, hard, early. You know, and keep going. And he did that. He kept doing it, but he he wasn't the same. You know, Demetrius Johnson. I, I follow him on Instagram and stuff, and you know, he was he was struggling with a shoulder injury not that long ago. You know, it's, he got surgery on yeah. his second surgery on his shoulder there a few months back, I believe. Yeah, and I like I was surprised to see him back this quickly, to be honest. And I, you know, I, I think he, that's why I called as well. I think this fight should be made immediately again. Um, you know, Demetrius. Do, do you Johnson, think there was? Do you think yeah. there was something wrong with Zahudo's uh, knee as well? It was because his ankle kind of went on that kick, but they immediately iced his knee in between rounds. And they seem to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had already indicated to them that he wanted ice on his knee before the end of the round, but they, they seem to be straight in there with ice on the knee. Yeah, DJ, like, I, I thought DJ kicked him very well in the leg, and Henry actually said it afterwards that DJ kicked him. Um, that was a calf pusher, I think, though. He was, it wasn't the knee, it was the, the it? it was the calf that took his. I think he said it was a calf crusher kick that, that took him out. But yeah, but uh, yeah, I, maybe he did. But uh, like you could see from the very start, and I, it was a big thing as well with Demetrius, and and it's something in the in the main event as well. But I think Demetrius was kicking a lot more, and that's another uh, example of why I think maybe the shoulder was at him it wasn't a hundred percent because he was kicking so much, and you know, he kicked those legs very well. I think that was what won, won him the first round more than anything else. Uh, you know, even if he didn't hurt the leg with a leg kick, he definitely hurt it more with a, with leg kicks because he was throwing low, throwing to the knee uh, all the time, and you know that was a. I thought that was a big part of, of his game. But like I, I think for Henry in this fight, I think what served him so well was not trying to take DJ on in this in the striking that much. You know, he when he could, he hit him with uh, he hit him with a few counters and stuff, and he actually did did pretty well uh, with a you know with the countering that he did do. But I think he was, you know, he was waiting, wait for DJ, wait for him to come in, didn't you know? Pouncing him when he got the opportunity, get that takedown, you know, get it into the grappling realms where he is, you know, where he's one of the best in the world. Obviously, an Olympic, uh, Olympic gold medalists. But you know, it, it is one of those fights where you have to praise Henry Cejudo for what he did. You have to criticize for Demi- Demetrius Johnson for not being as dominant as he probably, you know, as he was before, or you know, coming off of the injury, not looking as good, maybe coming back too quick or whatever. But you also have to talk about the reality. Of, you know, just because there was less of a gap this time and less of a gap than most people thought, it doesn't mean that the gap was overtaken. You know, it it yeah. it, it really doesn't mean that, and that's happened. I, 
I talked about this a good bit. Like the kind of long reigning champion, the kind of people expect when when somebody is expected to dominate or they they dominate in all their fights and then all of a sudden they face a small bit of adversity in a round. Mm-hmm. Usually the 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 fans and the judges will score against them. It was like Tally's Lates versus Anderson Silva, Damian Moy versus Anderson Silva, even. Even recently with Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendes, like there, there's no way Chad Mendes won that first round. Yeah. It's just no way. And everybody had it. You had it for Mendes. Everybody had it for Mendes just because of the expectation. But if you actually go back and watch that fight, that round, there's no way. There's just no way. Yeah, it, it happens a lot. I think Gustafson Jones is probably the best example of it, to be honest. You know, that even I, I did that as well. And I've been caught up on it before. I, I'm not going to lie. But I think, you know, I... I've, I've talked a lot about judging over the last year, talked to judges and stuff like that, and there, there's definitely a lot of... I, I misunderstood a lot of judging, to be honest, 100%, and I think almost everybody does. You know, we the people talking about it last night, you know, even, you know, people who are fighting and, and everything, talking about, oh, Henry Cejudo got on top, how did he not win that round? Well, he didn't win that round because that's not the judging rules. Read the unified rules. You know, it's it's there, pure and simple. It, it, it really is there, but I suppose, you know, we, we've talked enough about that now, but uh, look, on, on the fight itself... Uh, you know, it was a great fight, a good fight, good back and forth fight. What, what do you think would happen if they fought again? Do you think it should be next? Uh, should it be next? I think it probably should, but I don't know if there'll be that much interest in it. I think maybe, yeah, I think Demetrius Johnson deserves it. I really do think he deserves it if he wants it straight away. Um, I just, immediate rematches seem to be happening all over the place so I wouldn't mind if there was another one in between like it's a Hudo was to to go up and fight somebody if if let's say Dominic Cruz isn't ready or does, they don't want to put Aston Sewin there in case he wins and he's 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 not a he's not a champion I think they want because of his style but um mm, it depends on Dominic Cruz I think what you do next with with Henry Cejudo I think 11 title defences in a row, how can you not give Demetrius Johnson? And it's not just that. 11, okay, 11 title defences in a row. If Sergio Pettis came up and beat him, fair enough, maybe there's an argument. No, because Sergio Pettis beat him. He's maybe a better fighter than him, whatever. He's beaten uh, Saudo already once, and he beat him yesterday as well. Come on, I think anyone with a head knows he beat him yesterday as well. You have to make that fight again. That fight was so razor close um, on, on the judges' cards anyway. You have to make that fighting. I think nothing else makes sense. So who do I, against TJ? I, that's not a fight I want to see straight away. To be honest, I think that makes absolutely no sense altogether. I think Cruz. Cruz said last week that he's back uh, and he's fit again. So I think Cruz versus TJ is the fight to make. Cruz has beaten TJ as well, so you know that's that's easy enough to to um, to promote that yeah, one. Yeah, the alpha, the, the, the whole um, Dominic Cruz versus alpha male thing is obviously TJ uh, isn't in alpha male anymore, but. Uh, I think he's still kind of, even though TJ left, and I think I think the the alpha male team are more are more annoyed at TJ. I think TJ is would like to be friends with everybody, but it just yeah. kind of hasn't worked out, hasn't worked out that way. So I can see him wanting to beat Dominic Cruz for all the other guys as well. I know Cody Garbrandt beat Dominic Cruz, but uh, Dominic Cruz has an extremely good record in in recent years over over alpha male, and is, he kind of he, he kept the, the the leader of alpha male uh, Uriah Uriah Faber away from winning the UFC title that he desperately wanted. So I think maybe that might be in TJ's hand. I think TJ's a, a nicer guy than people. I think he's a bit of a meathead and stuff, but I think he's he, deep down he seems like a, a nice guy and he just he doesn't want all this hassle and he'd prefer if he could just be friends with everybody and I I think he's kind of been he's 
kind of been taken by the fans as one person that he isn't and he's slightly embraced it but underneath it all he, he I think he preferred to be to be friends with all his, his old mates I think I think he obviously remembers that they didn't, as, as Uriah said on the Ultimate Fighter he plucked him out of high school and gave him uh, gave him everything he needed to become a fighter so I think I think deep down TJ must appreciate that and would love to would love to get one over in Dominic Cruz for, for Alpha Male yeah 100% I as well as for himself yeah obviously he, he doesn't think he lost that first decision. It was very close. A lot of people thought DJ or TJ won that first call. I didn't think he won it, but a lot of people did. I thought Dominic Cruz made him miss a lot, but in Dominic Cruz fights, there's a lot of rates or close rounds, and if it had gone the other way, I don't think too many people would have been complaining. So I think that fight sells. Yeah, 100%. I suppose that's a good transition and into the core main event last night. And, you know, taking these two fights together, even though maybe the, the or the, sorry, going to the main event, even though the core main event maybe wasn't the, uh, the best fight in the world, it was, it was, you know, it was it was an odd fight, maybe more than more than brilliant, but it was, it was you know it was still enjoyable and all that because of the you know the kind of the way it went, it ebbed and flowed, and from the striking to the to the grappling and stuff like that. It just showed like high level MMA, and I think the the main event as well. You know, TJ Dillashaw especially, is, he's such a great fighter. You know, Dimitri Johnson's a great fighter. Henry Cejudo's a great fighter. Cody Garbrandt's a great fighter. You know, they all have their problems, they all have their issues, but they're all you know so great. This is high high level MMA, and. You know, the main event, I think, personified that what TJ Dillashaw was able to go out there and do against Cody Garbrandt. You know, when they already had one fight and when Cody, you know, we saw what uh, Henry Cejudo did. He closed that gap. I talked about him, you know, being more careful on the striking and taking, you know, the, the grappling, um, the, taking it to the grappling when he needed to do it. You know, I'm sure Cody Garbrandt was doing the same. It was doing, you know, working on similar things to change up what he did in the first fight to to make it a better fight for him. But TJ Dillashaw showed that he preempted them. He made the differences as well and came out and won that fight as well. Tremendous performance from TJ Dillashaw, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. I, uh, he got cracked uh, in his eye. In his eye, it seemed he got cracked a couple of times, but he got cracked hard and he kind of he didn't stumble, but he kind of got he shook a bit. And I think Cody thought, oh, "Here we go," and he went into flurry and he. He just got caught himself straight after, and it was it was basically the beginning of the end. Then he was he was on wobbly legs, and TJ was patient and fairness to him. He he was he showed a bit more experience than Garbrandt, I think. There, even though Garbrandt had talked about how he'd learned these lessons, but he I don't think he had learned the lessons because it was a very similar way. Like the, the first time he dropped TJ even harder, and he went for the finish and ended up getting finished himself. And mm-hmm. this time he just clipped TJ. Um, maybe busted up his eye a bit, but I don't think the finish was there. Like Cody seemed to think, and he went flying in trying to throw flurries. And I think TJ's punches were just straighter and sharper. And I, I think it was it was it was just a bad a bad fight IQ from from Cody. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. I I think. For Cody Garbrandt to win this fight, he had to knock TJ Dillashaw out early, and I think he he tried to do that, and and it, and it didn't work for him. But what I thought, like coming into this fight, we we spoke about it. Uh, well, who who's on Nigel was on with me last week, and uh, you know whoever else I was speaking to about this fight, and I thought this fight was going to come down to Cody Garbrandt's chin. I thought it'd go a similar way to the first fight. You know, Cody coming out trying to land hard, trying to get that knockout early as he should. Um, TJ Dillashaw coming out throwing his big output, throwing his kicks. You know, throwing his variety from everywhere, and then waiting for the big shot, and landing that big shot when it comes. But it didn't happen like that. Cody came out and did what he needed to do, tried to get the knockout, did well. But TJ didn't fight the way he normally fights. TJ fought in a, a, a lot more like Cody. TJ looked for that big shot. He, 
the output was not there from TJ. He wasn't throwing half as many shots as he would, what uh, normally would. Not half as much movement. Not as many head kicks. Not as many body kicks. Not as many leg kicks. We had a few of all of them, 100%, but not the usual output. Not the usual movement he, ha he normally does. He was looking for Cody Garbrandt's chin. He came into that fight knowing... After the first fight and after other fights, you know, we've seen all clips of Cody when he was the amateur boxing and stuff, him getting knocked out. Peep, you know, it, it's like, um, it's like uh, Benil Dariush as well. People know now that it's the chin. You know, Amir Khan in boxing, it, it's the chin. It's it's always a problem. If you can catch him on that chin, there's the likelihood if he, if he catches you with a good shot as you catch him, he's gone out. And cut, that is... That is Cody Gar Garbrandt's major malfunction. And, Co and TJ Dillashaw went out and he targeted it. Every kick he threw was a hard kick to the chin trying to knock him out. Or, or else he was trying to set up a shot to, to get to the chin. You know, all the shots he threw. Threw a beautiful uppercut at one stage. Caught Cody. You know, the shots that ended him. It, it was just, you know, like the first fight. It was it was, it was was kind of a, a, a transition in, into range. And out of range, and then back into range, and TJ hit him with a beautiful right hand, I believe it was. And from that point, I tweeted at the time, Cody is done. You know, once Cody gets hurt like that, you, there's no coming back from it. He, you know, he did it so well against Dominic Cruz, avoiding everything. And Dominic Cruz isn't the biggest hitter in the world, and I suppose that's why he was, uh, he was able to look, uh, you know, a lot better in that fight. But you know, T Cody Garbrandt is one of the best fighters in the world technically you know he can go for five rounds with tj dillashaw if it's just technical fighting he did it with dominic cruz you know I, I fully believe he can do that but when you put in the physical as well when you put in that chin when you put in tj hitting him full force that's where he can't stand up to it and i think that is you know that is was his major problem in this fight was his major problem in the last fight and it's going to be his major problem going forward and it's not just the, the chin it's protecting the chin as well because you know it, yeah. When TJ comes in and hits him, and he gets him into a fight, Cody Garbrandt will exchange with him. You know he won't be yeah. careful, and I think that's something maybe they needs to change up going forward. But it was smart by TJ, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I it actually reminds me of that video that came out before the last fight of TJ yeah. and DJ or TJ and Cody uh, sparring, and it, it was like a full-on fight. They were dropping each other and like going on, and those kind of things will 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 affect your chin and. Cody's been knocked out cold in, in 10 seconds before. I think one of his amateur fights, he just got knocked out with the first punch. So maybe his chin is suspect. Like, you know, bantamweights don't hit that hard. And now he's been TKO'd twice in a row. He's been knocked out before. You see them gym videos. It looks like they're, they've been going hard for years. I know he's a young guy, young in the sport and stuff, but that'd be slightly worrying. Yeah, 100%. It definitely is worrying. And, you know, it, it, maybe it's something he needs to, to, to move up, change up his style. You know, he's a good wrestler as well. And I don't think, we, you know, we see it that often. Maybe that's something he needs to do. Maybe he needs to be a little more te uh, technical. You know, a bit, maybe a little bit like Alistair Overeem. You know, look for that big shot you know rather than going for it every time to try to pick out the big shot you know a little bit like tj did last night um i, I think he needs to, to change him up like that because there that that problem is a problem that's not going to get any better you know and it's it's something that you have to take away from the game you know like jose aldo we, we talked about it last week in that in that frank yedgar fight after the um after the McGregor fight, he just kind of, uh, I think it was Ryan O'Connor said that he decided not to get hit, <laughs> you know, and I think that's what Cody Garbrandt needs to do, he needs to change up his style where he's not getting hit, and I know that's harder, or that's easier said than done in MMA, yeah. but I think... Well, he's know, done that, he's done that for camps, uh, he's imitated Dominic Cruz, he said that before the Dominic Cruz fight, that he knows Dominic Cruz's style so well, because he's had to prepare several alpha male fighters for Dominic Cruz, uh, so he knows how to, you, you think he knows how to do that, like Dominic Cruz is so hard to hit, and in the Dominic Cruz fight, Cody was very patient and was very hard to hit himself. Even though Dominic Cruz isn't known for his big power, he just he just played it 
a really good game plan, which he he didn't do in the in the TJ both TJ fights. Maybe it was the emotions. He he seems to have taken a very hard the whole the whole um, TJ leaving alpha male thing, and even on the Ultimate Fighter when Connor was was uh, giving it loads about uh, TJ and and Uriah's relationship. Cody was was very angry about the whole thing and tried to square up to McGregor. So I think he's an emotional guy at the best of times. And when he feels wronged or slighted in some way or uh, somebody in his team or his friend has been slighted, he, he just can't control his emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, was, it was kind of weird as well. And I agree with that. And I usually don't agree with those sort of things. But it's weird that he goes from Dominic, the Dominic Cruz fight where he seemed like totally flowy to, to Rob Ward from Conor McGregor and, and emotionless in a fight that he probably should have been more emotional in than, than any fight in his life and you know, his first title fight against the best fighter in the world and he goes in and you know pieces Dominic Cruz up basically for, for three or four of those five rounds and then against Cody I know it's a different situation or against TJ sorry it's a different situation but it was weird I definitely saw that as well and yeah, it's, it's something you know Cody is still young he's still what Cody's on like 10 or 12 or 12 or 13 fights or something like that doesn't he not that many not that many in the UFC either he can he can definitely come back but the thing about Cody is you know two losses to to TJ Dillashaw now he's probably you know part of the Dominic Cruz team at this stage trying to get him a, a rematch because if Dominic Cruz can get a rematch and beat Cody or beat TJ Jesus I can't get these names right he, he's you know he's straight in there for a, for a rematch then with Dominic after he beat him obviously but I think you know he said in the past he can get down to 125 with his chin cutting 10 pounds more weight is not a good idea and I think going up to 125 45 wouldn't be a good idea either i don't think he's that big and you know when hitters like max holloway and you know f- well chad mendez and, and other guys like that up there i know he probably wouldn't fight chad, chad because they're teammates and stuff but uh, i think that's not a good idea i think it's time to rebuild now three or four or five fights uh for cody garbrandt over the next couple of years and he can definitely get back there but he needs he needs to change up that that style and everything but this division you know it's so strong you know you mentioned a few names there i suppose dominic cruz is top of the, of the list now but you've obviously halfway last and so as well who's one and one with with tj he's won a good few fights marlon Marais. You know, marlon Marais as well yeah definitely like one of those guys, Marais is the kind of guy who you could see giving a title shot to you, isn't it? Because, you know, Dominic Cruz, when's he going to be back? He said near the end of the year, you know, TJ's talking about making Dominic Cruz wait. We've heard that before, you know, Habib Nurmagomedov said that as well, and he gave him a great fight. Well, he, well, whatever. But, you know, well, obviously people he's said that. obviously going to the biggest money fight he possibly could hope for in his whole career. Yeah, we'll get into that, but do you think there's any truth in that? Do you think TJ will just take the Dominic Cruz fight if, if he's the next one up, or do you think it'll be someone else? I think he'll take whatever the best offer is from the UFC. Um... I don't think he's he's in a really in a position to be to be pissing Dana off. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he, okay, he's a champion and stuff, but is he really raking in all that all that much money? Yeah. Um, Dana can, if you piss Dana off, he can make it difficult for you. Um, like with DJ, you know, he's he's champion since what 2012 or something, and mm-hmm. he didn't want to take a fight in Dana Troom under the, under the bus, so. I, I I think TJ TJ will just take whatever whatever the UFC want next. Yeah, hundred um, percent. All right, let's get into other parts of this card before we move on to to talk I about. I actually didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't see any of the rest of the card. Okay, I'll talk about it. So you just sit back and listen to me. Hinata uh, Maikano against uh, against Cub Swanson was a very very weird. Well, it wasn't a weird fight, I suppose, but it was. I know you haven't seen it, but Maikano knocked Cub Swanson yeah, down. Yeah, well, I actually hard. saw. I, I saw a little team. bit of the, yeah. the highlights of a few of them fights on Reddit. I just didn't see full fights. Did you see the, uh, you see the jab Maikano knocked Cub yeah, down with? Yeah, his jab is unreal. He's very done that before. Good. Yeah. But like I'm, I'm just saying like lock him in a room with OSP for a month, <laughs> and he come out and he'll fucking trash John Jones. He'd be a brilliant fighter. Should lock him in, lock him in a room at 99 percent of the UFC that's, roster. That's a good point. I absolutely love that chap. Do you know the way he threw? Like it's such a simple shot. Like I know it's it's not simple, but if you know how to throw it, 
<laughs> it's such a simple shot. Just throw it straight up the middle. Guys are so open in MMA because they have to be. You know, there's there's so many different facets of the game. A straight shot down the middle from your front front hand. If you can throw that hard, throw that well. It's such an effective shot. And and I think uh, people don't throw it well. You know, I've talked about jabs so many times in this podcast. But it was brilliant. You know, Cub Swanson. Obviously, he got to the ground and he, and he submitted him from there. But Cub Swanson six losses in the UFC now, five by submission. The only uh, loss by was by decision to Frankie Edgar. You know. That's obviously you. You're talking about that. You know, people talk about McGregor being submitted every time he's lost as well. You know, Cub Swanson. I suppose you have to say the, the same thing for him as well. He, he's he's a jiu-jitsu black belt and everything like that. But there's definitely a deficiency there. You know, when he gets hurt as well, it happens a lot a lot of the time. Or you know, he maybe panics a little bit. Maybe the you know the the mentality or the. I mean, the mentality is not the right word, but you know, you know what I mean. When he gets to the ground, maybe he panics a little bit and he gets caught and stuff. But last night wasn't that case. I think it was it was Mike Hanna more sort of landing in a good performance for him. You know, he could be a guy. You know, talking about a featherweight title shot in the next uh, year or so. Hopefully, if, if this Max Holloway and um, and uh, Brian Ortega fight happens, I'm not sure on Mike Hanna. He's Brazilian as well, and and Jose Aldo. I'm not sure if that's a fight that can happen or not. But you know, that'd be a, that'd be a probably a, a good fight to make if if it was possible. A few other things as well. JJ Aldridge and Pollyanna Viana had a, not a great fight to be honest. Viana looked awful, but JJ Aldridge is good technical fighter, not the not the strongest or the, the best athlete in the world, but she deserved to win that. Tiago Santos and Kevin Holland is a very uh, very exciting fight. I like Kevin Holland coming off the, the contender series. That was that was uh, that was a wild fight. In Pedro Munoz, Brett Jones, I thought that should have been fighted tonight. Uh, Henry Cejudo and Demetrius Johnson got it, but that was a, a fantastic fight. You know, the, the legs and the, the body of Brett Johns was absolutely kicked to pieces by Pedro Munoz. John just kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. Never died at all for a second. And that fight was really uh, it was really good. Ricky Simon, uh, Montel Jackson was a, not a bad fight as well. Uh, and uh, great, great performance by Alex Perez knocking out uh, Jose Shorty Torres in the first round of their fight on the, on the fight pass prelims. I was very, very impressed uh, with that. And overall, you know, a good uh, a good card I have to call it the top two fights top three fights especially definitely delivered and um, you know onwards onwards and upwards for just real quickly do you think the reaction the reaction to the the DJ fight I thought it was a great fight the DJ Tudor fight but I thought it was a bit over the top the reaction but one of the people were saying like oh one of the best fights no it wasn't I've ever seen I was like it was a good fight it was tense it was like oh my god it's you could see from like the the, the third round and fourth round that like this was way too close for comfort for DJ, and you could you could even hear in his corner, who usually unbelievably calm, they were like, "You gotta you gotta make this happen, like you gotta get out there, like you know this is not going." They didn't want to freak him out, but it wasn't going well, and it, it was interesting to see him in that position to see if he could overcome it. And I thought he did overcome it, but obviously not enough in the in the judges' eyes. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was a great fight. I thought it was a good fight and a, a I thought, I thought it was a great fight. fight. I didn't think it was like wow, like let's yeah. stick this in fight of the year. Let's stick this in. No, fucking, definitely not. You know, people were going a bit mad. Like, but uh, I really enjoyed the two title fights. They're really good Me and too, they're yeah. great, great fights. But I think. It, there's a lot of that when there's a really good fight people call it like oh, a fight of the year or one of the best fights I've ever seen and stuff maybe mm-hmm. maybe some of the people saying that haven't seen that many fights so that's why they're saying that but uh, um, or maybe people had money on Cejudo and it makes it work so you know it, it kind of it depends on what your what your view of the point is if you're a Cejudo fan or you have money on Cejudo or whatever it was obviously a ridiculously exciting fight you're like oh he's going to do it he's going to do it and then it came down to a nail biter for the decision and he, he got it and I think even he looked surprised when he got it a bit also, fair play to Demetrius Johnson. Like a lot of guys who won, who 
he's like Joe Rogan was like, oh, you thought about two two going into the last round. He was like, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Like he wasn't making any excuses. He wasn't yeah. saying oh bad bad decision. He was just he was just took it on the chin and. Yeah. And he and actually, to be honest, he looked really weird standing there with no belt afterwards. Mm-hmm. It looked, it did look very odd. Like, he, <laughs> I was like people, odd. yeah, I, I thought the oddest thing is that people were saying, "Oh, Demetrius Johnson clapped him afterwards. He knew he lost." No, he clapped him because no, he's all he fucking was, class. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you know, even 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 if he did, even if he did think, even if Demetrius Johnson did think that he won that fight four one, he he's the kind of guy that would just he give Cejudo his shine. He wouldn't try yeah. to ruin it for him. He's just that kind of nice guy. Maybe because he's such a nice guy is where he'll never be he'll never be a big star because he's just too kind of normal and, and nice. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, look, that, that he'll he'll definitely be back. I think he'll beat Tahuda the next time, to be honest. And uh, you know, I'm I'm looking so forward. He's to making him. massive advances though in between each fight, and that's true. Uh, yeah, like his that stance study, the karate stance, the kind of half karate stance that he was in was was very effective and he only implemented that a fight or two ago so who knows where he can go with that with a bit more time that's true yeah I'm looking look I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely Aaron. I think it'll I think it'll be a closer fight the next time still to think, be honest real quick do you still think Demetrius Johnson is the, the pound for pound best fighter ever yeah I do he, I think he undoubtedly is it wasn't it definitely wasn't his best performance but I thought he clearly won and you know one relatively bad performance you know the, the, John Jones against OSP was a worse performance than this, probably. I think you know, and yeah. people calling him the best ever. Daniel Cormier, you know, lost to John Jones twice. People calling him the best ever. You know, GSP uh, against Cormier, uh, Cormier being the best ever is a bit ridiculous. Is a joke. Like anyone who says that, <laughs> just either is listening. You know, Ariel says it a lot. They're probably listening to Ariel, or they're just you know they've seen Cormier fight twice, or he fought a week before they said it or stuff. It's it's absolutely idiotic stuff. It, it, like, come on. Carmia isn't if you look at his skill set no way not a hope that's not even a debate and if you look at his his record it's a very very good record don't get me wrong but it's not the best ever not a hope you know if it, look, look at uh, George Saber I, 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 I don't I don't think the record really matters like you could have like a no a, but I'm saying the, the like his CV who he's fought okay, you know yeah, the, the yeah, quality yeah, yeah. of win like what what are what are his best wins Steve Miocic and after that what Josh Barnett, uh, uh, Dan Henderson, they're from the the old school of it, like what, what, Volkan. Yeah. Okay, Gustafsson was a good win, but I I thought Gustafsson was that was a very very close fight. That, that was, was cl- close, a closer fight. closer fight than the fight last night, I think. So there you go. To be honest, but all right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Conor McGregor, and he is fighting the UFC lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedov at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, on October 6th at UFC 229. The news was announced the other day at the UFC uh, press conference. Uh, we were shocked, Graham, weren't we? We didn't see this coming at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This should be fun, shouldn't it? As we said on the initial reaction podcast, like I don't think there was any serious talk from anybody with any any know-how or... Ins. Nobody was talking about any other opponent for Connor than than um, Habib. So I think I think everybody knew that was it was waiting for this court case to, to be resolved and uh, in Brooklyn with Connor. And once that was resolved, I think I think most people knew that it was just a matter of of a short amount of time before this fight got done. But you never know because Habib, you know, this is his big chance to make to make money. Like this is this is like set him up for life this fight so uh, negotiations I'm sure were were back and forth and Habib was trying to get as, as much as he can he knows he knows that this is going to sell a lot of pay-per-views so he'll want a lot of pay-per-view points and, and all that but the UFC also w- wouldn't want to be paying him through the roof because they also have to pay Conor McGregor through the roof especially after coming back from making whatever approximately 100 million for, uh, boxing Floyd so 
uh, I'm sure negotiations weren't easy, but uh, I think all parties were pretty confident that they would get it done. All yeah. parties wanted it, wanted it, wanted the fight. So when all when the UFC, Endeavor, all them, Dana, Connor, Habib, their teams both wanted, all everybody wanted. It's it's usually going to happen, and it did. I, I agree. Like I think any you know we talked about in this podcast before. But I talked about Nile and PT over the last few weeks as well. I think anybody who knew anything about it knew that this fight was going to happen. But the, the one thing I want to talk about here straight off the bat is the date. October 6th. Now, uh, you know, obviously that had been the talk for a long time. You know, we, we talked about it before. You know, that was the talk that everybody wanted to fight on that. Or McGregor especially wanted to fight on that date. Habib was, you know, talking about November and stuff. But I think, you know, Habib had no problem fighting in October as well. Is it a bit Is it a bit early? You know, there is only eight weeks to promote it. Dan White said it last night. I think he was talking to TSN in Canada saying there isn't enough time to do uh, to do a world tour. These guys need to go and, uh, you know, and train. They've only eight weeks to do it. Is it, a, you know, for uh, what people are calling the biggest fight in UFC history, is it, is it long enough to promote it? Or is it long, you know, even for them to prepare, should we have waited till November, December? No, I don't think so. I think this is enough time. I think it's already it's already been promoted a lot before they even announced. So I, I, I don't think there's a, a problem with too little time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like my, I have a few issues with the, with the timing because okay, you've McGregor coming back, and I know McGregor's been in the gym and he's been training uh, a good bit. And as I mentioned over in the other podcast, you know, it's it's the intensity of the training. It's always going to be different. You hear every fighter saying, it, you know, when when they get that date, the intensity ratchets up, and maybe eight weeks of uh, intensive training is enough. But you know, I, I think McGregor in the past has taken more. Other guys have taken more. You know, other guys uh, McGregor's taken less himself as well. But I think that's the thing. You know, for him to come back to be at his best, you know, is that enough time? And the next thing is. Eight weeks for Habib Nurmagomedov to make weight, you know, after coming out of Ramadan, after maybe being inactive, you know, what shape is he in now going into this camp? You know, is it is it good enough? Is he going to get his diet right? You know, there's going to be a lot of media still, even though they're not doing a world tour, especially the last two weeks. Is you know, does Habib say have enough time in six weeks to get his weight and where it needs to be for two weeks out? He can go and he can do that media and he can still cut the weight and get it down right. That I think could be an issue as well, and it, you know it's it's shitty to talk about those things uh, coming into what what we should be looking forward to as the biggest fight in the world. But when you know someone like Habib Nurmagomedov who has pulled out of fights multiple times before, who has weight cutting issues, who has injury issues, someone like Conor McGregor who has been away for two years, you know we haven't seen. I know he's his injury issues in the past as well. Never pulled out of a fight per se, but he has his injury issues in the past. He you know that time out of the octagon is ring rust going to be a problem? Like. Uh, I think there's a thing in boxing where you know they wait three years to make sure the fight is at the right time, and MMA we tend to rush it maybe a little bit. Maybe a couple of more months would have been a little bit better, but you know if you leave those things aside, we've only eight weeks to wait for one of the biggest fights yeah. in UFC you history. Don't wanna, we wait around more weeks is more chance of Habib or, or somebody or Connor getting injured or something happening to the fight. I think just get make it while everybody's fit and just get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I suppose it is, but. You know this deal, as you said there, the money is a was, was going to be an issue, uh, and and that obviously got resolved. You know McGregor had said beforehand, and you know a lot of people were talking about after the, the flight fight, what's it going to take for, to get McGregor back? Like, you know, he was talking about shares in the company and stuff before, and a big big part of the money. Obviously, we're we're not going to be privy to to do that information, but you know. I think they can afford to pay Habib a lot to get this fight done, a lot relative to what he he used to earn because the pay-per-view buys are going to be so much, and I think he'd probably get pay-per-view points as well, being the champion. But what do you think it took to get McGregor back? You know, was it, is it a big pay there? You know, no matter what it is, I suppose he he has so much money. It's just the balls to take this fight against Habib Nurmagomedov. The first fight back is just brilliant, huge, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think that would surprise anybody who who knows Connor. He's he's not like this whole thing about people, like even like people at the top level who aren't Connor, they aren't afraid of each other. They all have some massive self belief, and they see holes in each other's games, and they think they can exploit them holes. And uh, Connor's always looking to get the the next big thing, the next biggest thing, and. Okay, the Tony fight's been talked about for a while, but I don't, I don't think that has anywhere near the interest. Even before the bus incident that uh, that Habib and Connor has, even when Habib was kind of coming up in the division, and Connor was at forty-five, uh, one forty-five, there people were talking about, you know, the style matchup of or if, uh, Connor can't go to one forty-five because of these, this guy, this guy, this guy, Habib, you know. So it's been in people's consciousness for a while. Like Tony Ferguson's a good fighter, but he's he's nowhere near the level of. of of Conor McGregor or, or Habib, I don't think. Yeah, I tend to agree as well. And, you know, talking about the, the, the promotion of this fight as well, you know, a lot of people over the last day or two since the, the news has been broken have been kind of given out about the prom, the promo and, uh, you know, with with good reason, I suppose, you know, they put the boss incident and everything in it and, you know, the, I suppose that's worth discussing as well. Uh, for me, you know, the, the argument, should they put the boss incident into this promotion? Should they use that as promotion for this fight coming up? And my thing is, they probably shouldn't, right? But how can they not? You know, how can you leave that out? What are you going to do if you don't mention that? Like, what are you going to do? I really don't know how. What what promo are you going to do? Everyone's going to be looking at that and like, that's not that's not what happened. Like, you know, th- these guys are fighting. Like, I I believe this fight wouldn't be happening if that didn't happen. I really don't. I think McGregor would be fighting GSP or he'd fight uh he'd fight Diaz or something, and maybe he'd fight Habib after that or something. Or maybe he would fight uh, him now. But I don't think it was a, like when when that happened. I was like, this hundred percent. This the fight is happening. That that's it. There was no question about it. But you know, before that, that was an issue. Like, that has that changed the trajectory of this your feud that changed the trajectory of this fight being made and to not mention that i i think it, it it's impossible i think they have to i think they're you know uh, okay for mention if you want to give out of them fair enough but i i don't uh, what's the alternative i really don't know what, what do you think about it yeah um I, I think this is a fight that was going to happen i think connor wanted this all along um i think <laughs> Okay, it, it, maybe if Habib hadn't won the belt, it would have been different. But I think Conor wanted the biggest fight, and I think Habib was always the biggest fight. And unless somebody else had overtaken him, Habib, maybe by if Tony and Habib had happened and Tony had won spectacularly, then maybe people would have been more excited about that. But that didn't happen. So as things stand, I think if things stood the way they did now, even without the bus incident, I think Habib would be the biggest fight, and that would be the fight that Conor wants. Yeah. Um, I put up a, a poll there over on Instagram yesterday asking or putting up saying has anyone any questions for, for about this fight what, what do you think is going to happen and a question I got multiple times and I see multiple other people as well asking it, people asking it what can McGregor do to improve and you know be, become a better fighter to fight Habib before you know in these eight weeks and what can Habib do to become a better fighter to fight McGregor in, in this few weeks and I suppose this is going to be interesting because I, and we're going to talk about it there's, there's you know we're not going to do a fucking hour long breakdown of this fight right here but we can do a little bit of it and we'll, we'll definitely do it over the next eight weeks but look for McGregor what, what's he going to do to fight Habib it's it's an interesting one and we, you know we, we, we'll be fleshing it out and everything and you know there's going to be a lot of talk about but, but, but for me you know if McGregor you know okay it's going to be very hard for Conor McGregor to avoid the clinch right but the f- there's two things he has to do. 
try to avoid the clinch at all costs. Try to avoid the takedowns. Try to avoid him getting inside and you know pushing you against the fence, getting the underhook, getting his hands clasped behind the back, taking you down. Try to avoid getting in that position. Move your feet, get away, get him on the back foot. Don't let him in. If when he comes in, you know, get get down to the ground, get on top of him. As he said to Chad Mendes, I put my balls in your face. You know, do that to Happy Nurmagomedov. Push him down. Get him away. Get away from him. That's what he needs to do there. That doesn't work. He has to control him against the fence. He has to do what Gless and Tebow did. He, ha- you know, he has to get the the underhooks. He has to get uh, Habib up to the top of his body. He has to stop him. You know, getting those those hands clasped behind his back. He has to push him out. Get away. Get back into free space. Don't let him get destroyed. If it gets to the ground, don't get destroyed on the ground. Hold him down. Make it hard. Try to sweep. Try to get out. He has to do all of those things. That is very very tough uh, against Habib Nurmagomedov. And I think the the first step in there. Not getting up against the fence. That's what where Conor McGregor yeah. will win or lose this fight. I think. Yeah, I I said on the the initial reaction podcast we did on uh, Patreon um, that Habib isn't really a guy for. Okay, maybe he has, but he's not a prolific uh, guy at hitting takedowns in the middle of the cage and seeing it like double open space takedowns aren't really his thing. It's chaining takedowns together and pushing you against the fence and kind of giving you nowhere to go and just kind of relentless punches and his ground and pound is brilliant, but. He has to get it there first in order to implement it. And he's not this wrestling, unstoppable wrestling machine that people make him out to be. Like, I know this is years ago, but you look at T-Bow, you even look at Barboza and Ayaquinta. As, as the fight went on and as Habib tired a little bit, he, he couldn't get the takedowns uh, with regularity again. He was missing takedowns. He was, he was, he was not able to keep up the, the output that he was able to keep up in a three-round fight uh, with, with a five-round fight looming. So... Obviously, there's been to talk a lot of talk around Connor's cardio over the years with the with the Diaz one, but the Diaz one fight, like he doesn't like to talk about it, and I probably shouldn't talk about it. But he he wasn't well for that fight. He he was he had injuries and and sick, and he had a lot of things going on for that fight. And I think he kind of took his eye off the ball a bit. He wasn't he wasn't as focused as he could have been. Uh, I think when the when the second title fight fell apart, it was a big disappointment for him, and he. He just thought he'd go in there, get a quick win, and we kind of wait for RDA. And it, it obviously didn't work out like that. And it probably worked out better long term. Like, uh, I don't think Connor would go back and change anything and risk not having the risk not the the Diaz second fight going differently, or not having the Floyd bout and all that money and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and also uh, every time Connor has lost, he's come back a lot better historically in MMA. I know boxing is different, but I think he he will have learned a lot from that as well. And he, he every time he loses, or every even when he wins. He, he he picks up things and improves, and I think I think pe- another thing that about Conor's game that people don't don't or they underestimate is his fight IQ is true to roof, I mean, uh, the best ever. He, he fig- yeah, it's it's unbelievable. He, he even if you cause him trouble with something early, he just adapts and like he has the counter to nearly everything. Like and he's a guy that even he's absolutely brilliant in the gym, but he's even better on the night. The pressure makes him better. Mm-hmm. It, it's really strange. It's so unique uh, being in these huge positions. Like, like you know, Jose Aldo had been in how many title fights? Like, <sighs> when he fought Conor, and he, he it looked like Conor McGregor was the guy who had been in a, a million title fights. Mm-hmm. He looked so relaxed, and I know uh, Aldo never looks relaxed, but you, you like, I think that's a really unique um, trait that Conor has that people don't don't seem to consider. And this is going to be by far the biggest. Uh, fight of Habib's career. This is the, this is the money fight for him. This is this is the McGregor fight. This is just another McGregor fight for McGregor. But this, for Habib, this is this is his big chance to to uh, make a lot of money and to 
to prove that he is, if he can go out there and smash Conor McGregor, that he's the best lightweight probably ever, you'd have to say, if, if he goes out there and smashes Conor. So it's a huge moment for Habib. It's obviously a big moment for Conor as well, but he's been there before and relishes this kind of pressure and, and this kind of... He, he even goes out there, Conor, and heaps pressure on himself even more by, by you know, saying, oh, I'm going to knock all the way out in the first round and all that stuff. You know, no, nobody says that. You just put an extra pressure on yourself. And... But he just soaks it up, and he just loves it. And I, I, I don't know if Habib is the same, but I doubt he is because it's a very unique trait. Motherfucker, you got me excited. <laughs> I can't wait for this fight. That was that was a that was a tremendous promo you got there. I'm I'm really I was excited. Just now. It, it was it was good shiting on though. But like, can Habib rise to that occasion? Can McGregor rise to the occasion? Look, who's go- that that initial battle? You know, I, I talked about it there for, for McGregor. You know, he needs to stop him getting inside, stop take down, push him back, you know, get to the side, get away from his, his onrush. That's what he needs to do. What does Habib need to do? He needs to fucking rush him. He needs to not get caught when he comes inside. You know, he can't give McGregor 30 seconds on the feet. He needs to rush him down, get in there. He's he, people are talking about his striking. What can they do to improve his striking? He can fucking forget about his striking. He needs to get inside, bum rush him, get straight fucking in there and take McGregor down. That's what he needs to do. And McGregor needs to stop that. This is a battle in the middle of the fucking octagon for who's the man. And we're going to fucking find out on October 6th. And I can't wait for this. It's going to be it's going to be epic. Someone's going to get destroyed in this fight. If this fight says standing, Habib Nurmagomedov will get knocked clean out. If this fight goes to the ground, Conor McGregor will get destroyed over one, two, three, four, five rounds. It's got, it, that'll happen. You know, it's, it's a, an epic fight. It's one of the best UFC fights in history. It really is. This is this is the top of the top class. This is the cream of the crop, and I really can't wait. I think I think it's going to be epic. And obviously, we're going to talk and about people, it. Loads people more. should get excited about it, even yeah. though there's a good possibility that it's not going to happen. Habib's <laughs> uh, record. But you, you, if you worry about that in MMA, you, if you worry yeah. about that in MMA, enjoy you not, never get excited yeah. about anything. And you just enjoy the build up, enjoy everything, and then. Uh, if if chaos breaks out, enjoy the chaos. It's the only way. You, it's the only way to follow MMA is just to embrace the the madness of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, the UFC will have somebody ready in the wings because if you look at the people's record, if you look at his topology, I know all of the fights aren't his fault, but about half of them haven't happened when they've been scheduled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Ferguson fight was put together four times. It hasn't happened twice with Sabi, but twice or twice with Tony, but twice with Sabi as well. Yeah. So, mm, I, I suppose that's a that's a good transition then. It's gonna be a lot of pressure on both guys not to pull out if they do get injured as well. Yeah. What about this Nate Diaz Dustin Poirier fight? They've two UFC two thirty. We saw what Nate Diaz did after the McGregor fight was on. He got up and walked out. Said he's fuck the UFC. I'm not fighting. Like, why is this fight? And I maybe the reason is because Poirier only fought last week. But why is this fight not on that card? Why is this fight not on that undercard? Maybe it's because Nate Diaz pay per view points. Yeah. yeah, that is it. But. You know, should they pay one of those guys a little bit extra to be ready no. a month earlier? No. Oh, oh, they should. Oh, to be ready. I don't think they should put them on the card, but I think yeah, they should be ready. Yeah. Um, I think, mm, I think the the Nate boy you want to put in your back pocket. You don't want to do that on short notice. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think you want to do that on short notice. Yeah, maybe maybe there's another fight. You know, um, Tony Ferguson has been. Has been training very well recently. He's been showing things. He said he's going to be back relatively soon. You know, if he could get on the card, him against Kevin Lee, I saw someone talking about that. that that'd be a fight that makes sense. Put that on the on the undercard of the McGregor uh, part or McGregor Habib card. One of them could definitely fi- you know fill in. I think that's uh, I think. But what, what about this Diaz Diaz Poria fight? You know, obviously it's a good fight. You know, the, the talk from Diaz, the talk from Poria afterwards. I think that's all kind of just bullshit and talk. I think this fight will actually happen, but. 
this fight, you know, we talked about Tony Ferguson, we talked about uh, Kevin Lee and other guys. D- this fight is the number one contender fight now, isn't it? This is the Red Panty Night fight. Let's be honest here. You know, this is this is going to be, you're going to fight McGregor, you're going to fight Habib if you win this. It's a big fight, isn't it? Yeah, well, it depends on what this Habib and Conor fight looks like. If Maybe if Habib's out there getting a couple of takedowns in the first couple of rounds and then in the third round, Conor manages to knock him out or something, I'm going to see, uh, I'm going to be expecting an immediate rematch to be, be, yeah. to be to happen there. And if Conor's winning on the feet, nearly knocks Habib out and Habib ends up growing them out with a decision, I see an immediate rematch there as well because mm-hmm. the money, the cheddar make it better, as I say, and Endeavor are trying to make the money fights and they've been making, they haven't been trying to hide that at all. They've just been trying to put together the biggest money fights that they can find and even rushing guys too quickly into fights and maybe putting immediate rematches too quick or rematches in there too quickly and stuff like that. But um, yeah, uh, if I was Parier uh, or, or Diaz, I'd be hoping for one guy to smash the other guy, uh, not for it to be kind of back and forth or uh, come back, come from behind victory for either guy, uh, because I think that will just lead to an immediate rematch. Yeah, and luckily for them, I think that will happen. I think someone is getting smashed in the fight. So, you know, a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. Let's get into the questions here. Uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. This next few weeks is going to be the time to join. This is it. We're, you know, it's the start of the month now. F- the price of a pint a month is all it costs. You know, the, what's it? $10 in for the two months coming up to this fight. About nine, eight fifty nine euro or whatever. I think, it, I think it's well worth it. You're probably going to get... Uh, 40 podcasts in that time probably more actually so I, I think that's probably worth it go over there patreon.com forward slash severe podcast sign up the first questions we have are from there Brian Harrington first do you think Joanna should fight a top 5 flyweight next to establish herself in that division and then fight the winner for the strawweight belt I think if Joanna went up she she should get a title thrust straight, straight away. Obviously, with Nico Montagna versus Valentina Shevchenko was made there's official. There's no one there, week. like yeah. you know. There's no one there, like who who's she gonna fight? Somebody random, like and just what's the point? You know, fair enough if she was cutting down weight and you want her to see, oh, can she make the weight? How does she look? But she can make the weight, no problem. Yeah. Uh, have her so fight. Have her fight the excellent Roxanne Metaferi. What about that former title contender challenger? Yeah, she nearly won that fight according to some MMA media as well. Yeah. Herself and Daniel Cormier, does anyone love them as much? Jesus, madness. Drew Statterfield, a new uh, a new signee, I believe. Thanks, Drew, for your question. Thanks for signing up. Uh, what does this fight say about Cody's chin going forward? What seemed to be an ironclad chin has now been shaken multiple times, back-to-back fights. Yeah, I, I don't think it was ever an ironclad chin, to be honest, but it does say that he has a problem with his chin. You know, his chin is definitely, definitely an issue. Going forward, he needs to change it up. You know, we talked about it a lot earlier, so that's, yeah, that's definitely a, a thing that needs to be done. Sean Dinney, legend Sean Dinney, we, we answered his uh, question there uh, a couple of days ago I did the rewatch McGregor versus Brando it was actually free for everyone and I went back and talked about UFC Dublin so go and listen to that on Patreon yes will Galway's inability to string a full 70 minutes together come back to bite them in the final they've relied on a lot of misses to get there Lo- uh, lots of extra miles running those legs yeah Limerick going to win the All-Ireland we're going to beat Galway 1973 is going to be forgotten we're going to do it Ugh. Galway, Limerick. I think 1973 is already forgotten, Sean. No, <laughs> it's no not. In, not in Limerick. Last time Limerick won the All Ireland is 1973. We haven't won it since, and it's it really hasn't been forgotten. It's all all anyone talks about here when you're talking about hurling. It's been 45 years of heart, and it's ending in two weeks' time. We've only two weeks left, Graham. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Declan Hannon is gonna lift that cup. We're gonna do it. Let's go. Kyle Malone, do you think Cody fights too angry, constantly looks annoyed and seems to have a, a bad effect on him and technique about to go out the window? Yeah, you mentioned that, didn't you? You feel that? Say that again, sorry? Cody fights angry. Yeah, I think he does. Uh, well, I think he did in these TJ fights. 
maybe not yeah emotional maybe more than, yeah i think i think there's a little bit of anger in there i think it's a mix of emotions it's anger it's probably disappointment he probably still you know he came up with tj in the gym he probably still likes the guy deep down it's, it's a weird situation uh, i think for for him and he's already an emotional kind of a kind of guy and he's uh, he's he's I don't know. He's he kind of even in the interviews before the Dominic Cruz fight, he was kind of like rattled by by the by the trash talk a bit. I don't think it affected the fight. Obviously, it didn't. Well, it didn't seem to affect the fight because he won. He won that fight against Dominic Cruz. But you could see that even little things like Dominic Cruz having a little go at him on interviews was really annoying him. So I think he's an emotional and slightly angry guy uh, at the best of times, or not the best of times, but even with a bit of prodding. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And just shout out to a few of the other people who've signed up. Obviously, Drew was there. Uh, Wesley Garman, Spencer. Shout out to Peter Russell. Shout out to Gavin Hart. Shout out to Anders. Shout out to Adam Thomas. Shout out to Andy. Uh, shout out to Dara. Shout out to Jack uh, and everyone else uh, who has signed up. Really appreciate you, everyone else. Please go over Patreon.com forward slash Man Podcast and sign up. Right to Twitter and I'll answer the rest of these uh, over on Patreon. We'll get through a few here and I'll answer the rest in the Q and A. It'll probably be up uh, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. We'll, Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. Be up. Uh, Patrick, Patrick Ian, pa- Patrick Ian, one, two, three. Give him a follow. Will Mighty Mouse be a champion again? What do you think, Graham? Yeah, I think he will in his next fight. I think he will. Uh, Andy Stevenson at Andy STE one two three. Should the unified rules be rewritten to more explicit to be more explicit uh, explicit on what's p- oh, Jesus Christ? Should the unified rules be rewritten to be more explicit on when specifically a takedown should be scored, or do people just need to actually read the rules? And here's the rules. Let me read it. Legal blows that have immediate or cumulative impact with the potential to contribute towards the end of the match with the immediate uh, weighing in more heavily than the cumulative impact successful execution of takedown submissions attempts reversals and achievement of advantageous positions that produce immediate or cumulative impact with the potential to contribute to the end of the match with immediate weighing more than heavy or cumulative impact it shall be noted that a successful takedown is merely not a changing of position but establishment of an uh, of an attack from the use of a takedown top and uh, bottom Mm. position fighters are assessed more an impact effective results and actions more so than their position and that's the key their yeah i think i think, impact I think more than position i think it's already clear i think yeah, since, i think i think it's been made murky by by people like daniel cormier going going 100 percent going like uh wrong 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 i wrestle and that's not a wrestling takedown it's like okay it's not a wrestling takedown whatever mm. or it is a wrestling takedown but this isn't wrestling this is this is fighting i, this I is don't MMA. know i agree with him on that i agree with him that if you take someone down and they hit the ground that's a takedown it's down. not the same mental rule it's not the same scoring as in wrestling no it's, but i i think the big problem is when henry Cejudo takes him down and he lays on top of him for 90 seconds and he said he won that round because of that that's what when it gets murky because that is wrong. I just read the rule right there. It literally says it. Let me read it again. I think though that's partly. I think Daniel Cormier does know that. I think it's partly the thing we were talking about earlier about the Chad Mendes, Conor McGregor thing, or the Anderson Silva versus mm-hmm. Maya Tally's ladies. Yeah, and that's guys. why I think it's important. Yeah, it's important for people like us to talk about this so people know what's in the rules. I read the rule out there. This is not my opinion. This is the rule. You know. Let me read that line again. Top and bottom position fighters are assessed more on the impact slash effective result of their actions more so than their position. That is clear. That line is not open to interpretation because they're like uh, they leave it open to interpretation. But maybe they could. Uh, how is that? I don't see how that's left open to interpretation. And what you th- what, what you consider like like more like okay if if, if there's back and forth kind of little rabbit punches each and then the guy is laying on top of him then he is he is winning the exchange it's just if if the guy on the bottom is landing more effective stuff then 
then it becomes that he's winning, even though he's on, the, on his back. I think there's probably more recent examples, but it stands out Neil Seary against Chris Beale. Chris Beale got yeah. takedowns, latched onto the left overhook, I think it was, and just started elbowing him, punching him in the face repeatedly. And in fairness to the judges, they gave him them rounds. That was that was good judging, and that was that was quite obvious because Beale was kind of stuck there, eating eating them ground and pound from the bottom for a while. But I think I think MMA judging uh, has improved a lot. But I think that that still kind of lingers. But it's definitely not uh, that kind of thing that lingers at a takedown kind of. Even if you've done much better work for four minutes or three minutes at a round, and then somebody gets a takedown, and it's pretty even in terms of who lands shots, or there's nothing really landed, and nobody really passes guard for any substantial amount of, amount of time, or to do any damage, or to take a, a, a dominant position and, and threaten. So I think that's still left over, but I think it is getting better, and I think I think this is the first time you've called robbery. I wouldn't even call this a robbery, the, the main event or the co-main event. It is the first time you've called robbery in a couple of years, and it used to be a, a monthly thing. So in fairness, I think the new rules, when they got rewritten, has improved things. It's just a problem of the, the, the unified rules aren't unified. They aren't everywhere. You wrote an article about it a few months back where you talked to a few commission, a few different commissions, and they all have different rules, and it's, it's confusing. And... Uh, it's, it, like if you're a casual fan shooting in and you miss the very start of the pay-per-view or the very start of the card where they say the unified rules are not or are in effect and you don't know what's going on you don't know which rules are in effect yeah it's it is it is very murky in fairness but I think that's a good point you made there I'm one that I always give props to judges I like I've it probably is two years since I said there's been a bad bad robbery maybe one or two in that time you know but not much there used to be a lot more this one you and I think it's important to call them out when it's bad scoring and this was bad scoring I don't care what anyone says uh, one or two more El Jefe if Connor wins go on a robbery are different though I think I think it's, it's a robbery I think it's a robbery Okay, fair enough. I can see why you think it's a robbery, but I just I've seen some much worse robberies in the past. Maybe that's just kind of clouding yeah. or coming into my thinking. It's not the worst decision we've ever seen by any means, but it's a robbery. Uh, if Connor wins, does this shut up the critics? No. No. <laughs> what was the, do you remember the okay, Jose Aldo in 15 seconds. Like, yeah. and he was ranked number one, undefeated in 10 years, pound for pound number one all for for ages, knocked him out in 13 seconds, and people were like, that's oh, a fluke. Yeah. You know, it's Took, took Chad Mendes on uh, short notice with no knees, took Nate Diaz yeah, and short notice, rematch Nate Diaz. First matchup in, in, in the division for him, you know, and the second he beat Chad Mendes, like, oh, well, why didn't he take Frankie Edgar on short notice? Like, oh, he he did. Christ. Remember, he did take Frankie Edgar on short notice and Frankie Edgar refused to fight him. Because, well, he, he said so he was fine. injured. It happened twice. Yeah, and people say he dodges Frankie Edgar. Why did McGregor take the fight twice then? If he was dodging I, Frank I, I, got, I got a lot of stick when Connor came into the UFC. I was like, can we skip all the bullshit and just have him knock Frank Yeager out real quick? So we can, <laughs> like, and people went berserk. Like, yeah. people were like, fucking going berserk. But, like, let's be honest, I was right. Mm-hmm. That is. Um, okay, we leave it at that. We'll answer, I'll answer the rest of those questions over on Patreon tomorrow. Thanks, everyone, for sending in the questions. Keep them coming in as well over the next week because uh, next week we'll, we'll do a lot. It'll probably be. Maybe Monday or Tuesday next week so that we can kind of blend into the, to the week afterwards. Although you'd never know, so keep an eye on it. And we'll have known, obviously, two weeks after that. Because I will be on the beer up Limerick. Thanks, everyone, for the support, the continued support. Graham, any uh, final words before we go? You're glad to have me back. Did you miss me? I actually, I, I did miss you, but Niall did a good job. Uh, Niall did a great job. Pizza did a good job as well. It was enjoyable, but hopefully you'll be fucking probably gone again, will you? You prick. Never liked you anyway. 
But who knows? Who knows? I'm uh, an international man of mystery. The last of the famous international playboys, as uh, Morrissey, Stephen Patrick Morrissey would say. Never liked him. Never liked him. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Before we go, here's the inspirational quote of the week. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. We'll see you next Tuesday. It'll probably actually be Tuesday this week. Good luck.